tongue gets a little thick later. We'll do this now.
to be in church this morning, would you say amen? Amen. I'm glad you're here. This is a nice looking crowd. Y'all look really good. Some of you have spent a little time in the hospital in the past few weeks. I'm not going to call your names, but can I just say you look a whole lot better sitting in a church pew than you do sitting on a hospital bed. Amen. Amen. And I know some are fighting the bug and, and, uh, and that's no fun. But you know what? We're here, and the Lord's here, and He wants to help us today, doesn't He? And so I just encourage you to bring every thought into captivity and just say, Lord, I want to worship you today with everything that's within me. I'm going to forget about this situation and that situation. Lord, I'm just here to worship you. If you'll do that, and if I'll do that, the God of heaven will meet with us. And he will speak to our hearts and he will touch us. And we will leave this place different people than when we walked in. Amen. Amen. Let's bow our heads and pray. God, I thank you that you are in our midst this morning. Lord, I'm trusting you to help us in this service. Oh, God, we know that people have the bug. We know that there are a lot of things going on. But, God, we're here and we're gathered in the name of Jesus. And you promised if we would, you would be here too. And so we're here, Lord. <laughs> And we're gathering in your name. So settle down upon our hearts and help us today. Minister to our every need. Jesus, you know our needs today. And you want to help us. So have your will and way this morning, I pray. In Jesus' name I pray. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 I want you to stand. We're going to sing really a, just a song and a chorus. And so I want you to just stand with me and turn in your Sing to the Lord songbooks to song number 113. Psalm number 113. Let's lift our voices together and sing.
far, Lord. Draw us closer to Thee, Lord Jesus. Bless, Lord, the choir as they sing. Bless the special singing, Father. Bless the preaching of Thy Word, Jesus. We want to continue to lift You up, Lord. And You said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto Thee, Lord. So help us to exalt Thee and glorify Thee today. In everything that we say and do, Jesus, we'll be sure to give You the praise and glory and honor in Your precious name. Amen.
those of you that go to these cottage prayer meetings and pray for us. February 21st to the 23rd, we have our youth revival here with Brother Paul Stetler, and he'll be ministering to our youth in uh, these three-day three revival, special music, provided food and fellowship with a follow-up on Friday and Saturday night. All ages are welcome to attend. February 22nd, Sisters of Strength uh, brunch, and that's for ladies of our church, kitchen brunch. Loving God, loving each other is their theme. We hope all the ladies will attend and come. Also need to, I wanted to thank you for your great spirit in our crossing the aisles and shaking hands. And you are friendly, and people appreciate that. They really do. I probably hugged six or seven people, and I didn't make it down both sides because we can't just take too much time. But it is awful encouraging to see people love one another. Amen. And you do a good job of doing that. I know we do it every Sunday morning. I hope it never gets old for you to love your neighbor as yourself. And care about other people and find out how they're doing and pray for them and love them. At this time, our choir is going to sing for us uh, at this time.
Well, he's worthy of our praise this morning. Amen. Amen. Appreciate that choir. It's a beautiful Amen. number. And let's continue to worship the Lord as we have a special at this time. And then we have a message by our pastor, Brother Bates. I've I seen an interesting video clip this morning on Facebook. It said, do you really want to be a shepherd? Yeah. Oh, I'm glad Brother Bates didn't see that video. Because it showed this shepherd, maybe in Australia, where it was. And all of a sudden, the sheep just rushed him and knocked him over in the road. And he's on his knees, and all of a sudden, this one sheep just comes and just land blast him again. <laughs> and said, do you really want to be a shepherd? <laughs> Amen. Well, I'm glad we got a good shepherd that's leading us in the right direction. There may be some that want to knock him down, but I'm glad he gets back up and he's leading us on. So God bless him. No comment. <laughs> you listen to this song.
I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation. While you're turning, I need to tell you that a week from Wednesday night will be our annual church meeting. And if you're a member, I hope you'll plan to be here. Now, we won't be voting on anything, I don't think. Are we vote on anything? Um, but it is, well, I just got nervous. <laughs> Shaking hands after service so y'all don't go up bulletins. Um, but you'll hear an annual report from the pastor. You'll hear an annual report from the church treasurer. Uh, there's a lot of things uh, that, I, that we will be discussing about our future, and I hope that you will plan to be here. And I think it would be well worth your time, even if you're not a member, to get a good idea of, of uh, what the future holds for Independent Nazarene Church. And I hope you plan to join us Friday night. Paul Stetler is excited. He's nervous, but he's excited. This will be the first time that he has preached since he tragically lost his wife about 10 weeks ago. And so he's still going through a lot of grief, but God is helping him. And he told me, he said, this will be the first time I've walked in this church since Jacinda and I first met here two years ago and started chatting. And so there's a lot of memories here for Paul. And I want you to pray for him. But I want you to pray for our young people. That God will meet their needs and that God will use Paul as he preaches to us. I believe God wants to help us. Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. If you have found it, please say amen. If you're still looking, say wait for me. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. I'm going to read it one more time. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him. And will sup with him. And he with me. I want to preach to you this morning about the grand invitation. The grand invitation. I don't know if you've ever received an invitation from an important person or not. But if you have, you know that it's. Rather interesting to get a phone call or get something in the mail saying you are invited to meet with whoever this dignitary happens to be. Years ago, I was asked to come to the governor's office and have a visit with our then governor, Mike Pence. He had been our congressman over in the 6th Congressional District, so... Our family knew him for many years prior to becoming to him becoming our governor and now our vice president. Blake looked at me and he said, Dad, get a selfie with the gov. <laughs> well, I don't know if I'll do that or not. When I walked into his office, I said, Governor, I said, Blake told me to get a selfie with the gov. But I said, I had never taking a selfie before I didn't know how to take a selfie. He kind of laughed and he said, give me your phone. He said, I'll take a selfie. 
So I handed him my phone and he took a selfie, me and him. I sent it to Blake. So the very first selfie in my phone is a selfie with the man who's now the Vice President of the United States. But I didn't take that selfie, he did. I didn't have a clue how. He had a lot of experience taking selfies. I'd hate to look in his phone and see how many selfies he has of himself. That's kind of a joke. That was special to me. It's special to get something like that in the mail saying, you've been invited to this or invited to that. But I know not everybody gets those kinds of invitations. I know big donors that get a ride on Air Force One and can go to the White House any time they want to and sleep in the Lincoln bedroom. I'll never get that privilege. Maybe you won't either. But here's what I want you to know this morning. Every one of us have a divine invitation. Amen. Every one of us. Doesn't matter our economic standing. It doesn't matter our bloodline. It doesn't matter who we are. Doesn't matter where we come from. It doesn't matter if you stepped out of the slums this morning to come to church. It doesn't matter. When you walked in these doors, there was a divine invitation Amen. waiting on you. Amen. And this divine invitation comes from the lips of the Son of God Himself. Amen. He is personally asking you for a face-to-face -face meeting with Him. He is personally asking you for a face-to-face -face meeting with Him. Here's what I hope you know this morning at the end of this sermon. You are important to God. You mean something to Him. It doesn't matter if you're sitting on the front row or the back row. You mean something to God. You are special to Him. And he has not abandoned you. He has not forgotten you. He has not forsaken you. In fact, he's knocking today. And he wants to talk to you. Face to face. I've used a little evangelical, evangelistical liberty to create an outline behind the words of Jesus in this verse of Scripture. I've broken them down into four points. I want to share them with you. Behold, I stand, are the first words he says. This is an unusual position in which we find Jesus. The next verse in this chapter says that Jesus sat down with his father. In two other places, Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 and Hebrews chapter 10 verse 12, they both tell us that after Jesus ascended into heaven, that he sat down at the right hand of the father. That's normally where we see him. His work completed. 
He came to earth. He accomplished the mission that God the Father asked him to accomplish. He went to hell and back for you and I, brothers and sisters. And walked into hell and took the keys of death, hell, and the grave away from the devil. It's a slogan with some people, not with Jesus. He did it. He went there and back. And ascended into heaven where he presented himself as the sacrifice for sin and sat down at the right hand of the Father. There's only one other place of scripture other than this one where we see Jesus standing. In Acts chapter 7, verse 56, as Stephen, the martyr, the very first one to give his life for the cause of the gospel. The last words of Stephen as he's kneeling there on the ground and the stones are coming his way and his life's blood is flowing out of him and he's about to die. He looks up into heaven and he says these words, I see Jesus and he's standing at the right hand of the Father. Jesus got up from the throne to stand and welcome Stephen home. Other than that, this is the only other place in Holy Scripture where we see Jesus standing. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Amen. I want to share a few things with you. First of all, he stands in anticipation. He is hoping you will open the door. He doesn't come to our church services accidentally. You know, many times, brothers and sisters, if we're not careful, we just go through the motions. It's easy to do. We're going to have a congregational song or two, and, and, the, and the preacher's going to say, you know, uh, all God's people said amen, and we're going to take an offering, and, and we're going to have a, a, a choir song, and, and hopefully the preacher's going to preach halfway decent, and, you know, we're going we're gonna to leave here and say, you know, not half bad. Not half bad. Pretty good. Hopefully. If we're not careful, we do go through the motions. Let's admit it. i tell you what I noticed this morning. And I'm not picking on anyone, but I did notice. Um, I, I wish I did not have this. Uh, I don't call it a gift. I, but, but whatever it is, I wish I didn't have it. But I did notice out of the gate this morning that we were all struggling just a little bit to bring our minds to church. It happens. Might be running late. Maybe uh, we're, we're dealing with sick children and some were, some were dealing with, with some horrible things before they came to church. Our 21-year-old Marine sicker than a dog right now and, and, and he wouldn't want me to say this out loud but he's over in the ER at the VA right now. Very, 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 very sick. Don't tell him I told you that. He would get very upset. It's very difficult to walk in here and, and just forget all of those things and come to church and not worry about it because we're human and we have cares and we have problems. And, and, and if we're not careful, we come in and we sing and we raise our hand and we say, can we hurry up and get this over? And Because I've got a lot of things on my mind. Listen, that is a human response at times. So please don't think I'm picking on anyone. But let me tell you something, brothers and sisters. The Son of God never comes to church accidentally. 
When He walks through these doors through the Holy Spirit, He is here on purpose every Sunday, every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night. If God shows up, He shows up on purpose. And so He stands in anticipation. He's hoping that you will open the door. He stands in acceptance. He longs to welcome you into his family. I know we all don't have good family relationships. Listen, we live in a sin-cursed world. It grieves my heart. To hear stories about situations. But I'm going to admit my family's not perfect. We've got our own share of dynamics like everybody else does. We've got people that deal with dynamics that would that would would cause all of us to just pause and say, wow, I don't have it half bad. We all do, don't we? And we may think there may be people here this morning that your family relationships are so bad that you may just feel like you don't belong to any family. Let me tell you something. Number one, Jesus wants to be your best friend. He said so. Number two, he wants to welcome you into his family. He not only wants to be your best friend, he wants to be your brother. Holy Scripture says he wants to be your elder brother. It doesn't matter what your bloodline is today. A, a, a friend of mine here in this church, we were talking about horse bloodlines and, and we were talking about this bloodline and that bloodline and all of these bloodlines that we've known about since we were kids and, and how incredible those bloodlines are. Listen, it doesn't matter what your bloodline is today. God wants to give you a blood transfusion and His blood can flow through your veins and you can become a member of His family. And He stands in acceptance. He's not going to hold you at arm's length. He's not going to hold you at arm's length for what you've done. He's not going to hold you at arm's length because of the past. He's not going to hold you at arm's length for what's been said. No, He stands with open arms today because He wants to welcome you into His family. Behold, I stand. Secondly, behold, I knock. How is it that Jesus knocks at someone's heart's door? How does that happen? You know, it's not literal, Don. It's figurative and, you know, it's allegorical. What, what is it? What, what did Jesus mean when he said, behold, I stand at the door and knock? How does Jesus knock at someone's heart's door? I'll give you a few instances. Number one, he knocks through preaching. Why is preaching so important? It's important because according to Holy Scripture, it is the main instrument that God has chosen to use to spread the gospel. Now look, you know how much I love singing. You know how much I love good music. But brothers and scripture, brothers and sisters, Holy Scripture says that it's not the foolishness of singing, that it's not the foolishness of a puppet show, that it's not the foolishness of a play, that it's not the foolishness of smoke and lights. Those aren't the things that he uses. It is the foolishness of preaching whereby men and women are saved. That's why we put a premium on 
I'm preaching? Is it because I want to hear my own voice? Absolutely not. But brothers and sisters, may we always be true to the integrity of God's Word. And God's Word makes it clear that this moment in a service is the most important moment because God will use the preaching to knock on someone's heart's door. Some of my greatest heroes growing up were preachers. Yeah, I like to. I, I grew up in the era of the big red machine. You might know what I'm talking about. Few. I mean, I liked Pete Rose and Johnny Bench and, and uh, George Foster and, and Tony Perez and and uh, I like those guys. I gotta quit because I'm gonna forget them. And Terry's gonna start naming every one of them. Um, Joe Morgan and. I'm forgetting the third baseman, but he's somewhere there. But his, his name, what was it? He did, that's right. See, I've already messed up. I'm going to shut up right now. I like those guys. I like listening to Marty Brenneman on the radio. But I will tell you that my greatest heroes were preachers. My greatest heroes were evangelists would come through my dad would have to preach. One of my greatest heroes was a hero to me, not because he was the greatest preacher, but because Jeff and I were standing outside playing basketball against the uh, against that barn that had a basketball goal on it. And we're out there playing ball. And all of a sudden, here came the evangelist. And he said, hey, guys, you mind if I play? We kind of looked at him like, you're a preacher. You're old. <laughs> well, if you want to play, you can play. And I watched Lowell Foster take a basketball and bounce it in ways I didn't think possible for someone that old and flip the ball behind his back and go back and shoot. And I was like, wow. <laughs> you know why he was one of my heroes? Because that preacher was nice to a kid. My other preacher heroes were preachers that would slip me an outline and say, hey, Hobie, uh, you know, because the Lord called me to preach when I was nine. And so, you know, everybody knew that here, maybe one of these days you'll use this. Another preacher that came to our house, I was I was in college at that time and I was driving back and forth from GBS and, and I'd come back to the house about noon. This is back before Indiana had enough sense to go to daylight savings time. And if you don't agree with that, that's okay. God will help you one of these days. And, <laughs> and I would come in the house and he'd look at me and he'd say, let's go get something to eat. And he loved seafood, and so we didn't have much seafood in Greensburg, and so we'd run to Shelbyville to Long John Silver, and we'd sit there and eat and talk forever. By the time we got back to the house, it was time for dinner. But we had been sitting there eating so much that we had to fake and act like we were hungry, and we really weren't. And I remember that. And that meant a lot to me. Because he was a preacher that reached out to a kid. See, you have no idea who's looking at you. You know that? You have no idea when you reach out and shake that kid's hand what it's going to do to that child. You have no, no idea what it means to someone when, when you reach out and give them a hug or you fist bump them. That little girl that I fist bumped this morning, she even knew how to blow it up. She might be three. Three? You see, God uses preaching. 
That's how he knocks at our heart's door. Can I throw in this little outline real here, right here real quick? Preaching should be sound in doctrine. You may not agree with everything I said, but hopefully, according, I'll be doing the very best that I can to faithfully follow the Word of God Sunday after Sunday. And hopefully, if you have a problem, it really won't be with me, it will be with Him. Preaching should be sane, sober, and serious. Yes, I get funny every once in a while, but I'm not up here to tell jokes. I'm here to tell you about heaven. I'm here to tell you about hell. I'm here to tell you there's a place that you're going to go when you die. And if you're ready to go to heaven, you'll go there. But if you're not, you'll go to hell. Every once in a while, we need to hear those truths. Amen. And preaching should be spirit-filled. I don't enjoy it. I'm a, I'm a little worried about some of the, the kids graduating from college today. I, I don't know. I preach to them every once in a while. I hope to get a preach to them again. And, and I'm not saying that everybody has to preach like the, the most magnetic, the most powerful, the loudest. I'm not saying that. But I don't care what kind of education you get. If the Holy Spirit doesn't anoint what you say, and if what you say doesn't stir the heart of the listener, then you're wasting your time. But I thank God I cut my teeth on preaching that stirred me from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet and motivated me to get out of my seat come to an altar and give my heart to Jesus. Amen. And God uses that kind of preaching. He knocks. He knocks at our heart's door through preaching. But He just doesn't knock through preaching. He knocks through providence. He sends someone across your pathway he sent a, a preacher to my grandparents' house in Shelbyville, Indiana. When my granny and grandpa Huffman knew nothing about God or his grace. And a preacher knocked on their door and invited my mother to get on a bus and go to Sunday school. And it wasn't long my granny Huffman started going to the same little east side church of the Nazarene. And it wasn't too long, one Sunday morning, she knelt at an altar and she gave her heart to Jesus. How did it happen? It happened because somebody knocked. It happened because somebody cared enough to go into a trailer park and knock on the door and say, can we bring your kids to Sunday school? I don't know who God sent across your pathway, but he sent someone across your pathway. Most of us here this morning can say it was so-and-so that invited my dad or my grandfather or my grandmother to church. You may be third generation sitting here this morning, but you can point back to a moment where someone invited someone in your family to church. And it was that kind invitation that reached out to you. That wasn't an accident, brothers and sisters. That was the blessed Jesus saying, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. That was the blessed Jesus using someone to reach out to you. That was the blessed Jesus using someone to pull you in into the ark of safety. That was Jesus. He might have sent a pastor to your community. Many of you, I remember when Sister Mabel Murray passed away. There was an old pastor that helped Pastor Grimion preach the funeral. I didn't know the guy from Adam. But I'll tell you this. He met a whole bunch to the Murdoch family. 
You know why? Because years and years and years and years ago, God had used that preacher to have an impact on that family. Don Bates Jr. will forever be indebted to a man named Howard Baker. I will forever. Every once in a while, we would run into him and his new wife, Sister Baker, passed away years ago. We'd run into him and Pam. Castleton Square Mall. We still lived in Winchester. We'd come, come to Indianapolis, really every chance we got. We were walking through the mall, and I look up, and there's Howard Baker. And I walked over and shook his hand and began to talk. Introduced my boys to him. And when we walked away, they said, Daddy, who was that guy? Why did you stop and talk to him? I'll admit, I started to cry. I said, boys, that was the preacher that led your grandpa to Jesus. That was the preacher that reached out to your great-grandparents and started a church in a two-car garage in Fairland, Indiana. And boys, we're here today because God used that preacher to knock on our heart's door. He's knocking today, brothers and sisters. He's knocking at your heart's door today. He's using someone. He's put someone across your pathway. He's allowed you to cross paths with somebody. He allowed you to see a saint in the grocery store. He allowed you to see someone at the school. He allowed you to see someone at a funeral. He sent someone across your pathway that led you to a preacher that preached to you. To knock on your heart's door. Behold, I knock. Behold, I call. Behold, I stand at the door and knock if any man will hear my voice. What's he calling us to, Don? He's calling us to salvation. If you're not here this morning and you need to get saved, Jesus wants to save you. If you're here this morning and you're lost, there's a voice that's reaching out to you. There's a voice calling me from an old rugged tree and it whispers, draw closer to me. There's a blessed Jesus who's standing at your heart's door. And not only is he knocking, he's talking to you and he's calling out to you today. 1 Peter 2.9, 1 John 3.1, he's called us to salvation. He's not only called us to salvation, He's called us to sanctification. For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. Do you, can I talk to the people in this church who are members? Can I talk to the people here this morning who claim victory? Can I tell you what my biggest concern and my greatest burden is? It is simply this, that God will help every one of us to know that we are sanctified holy. And if we're not sanctified holy, then we will begin to earnestly seek God until we know we've experienced the fullness of the Spirit. Because I tell you this morning, brothers and sisters, we will never fully be able to accomplish what God wants us to accomplish until we allow the fullness of the Spirit to 
He's knocking. And He's talking to us. Behold, I stand. Behold, I knock. Behold, I call. Behold, please open. If any man will hear my voice and will open the door. You're the only one that can open the door. And I wish I could, I wish I could make everybody serve God. Sounds bad, doesn't it? You're, 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 you are a control freak, aren't you, Don? Too late, you already elected me. That was a joke. Please edit that, Michael. I wish I could, I wish, I wish I could come back to where you are and get you by the hand and bring you to the old. I do that every once in a while, but not very often. It is so rare that I will go back to someone and say, don't you think today's the day you need to pray? I, I, I just, I don't, I, I saw an evangelist one time, almost, he was, he was pulling on someone to try to get him to come to the altar. They were like, they didn't want to go. And I got tickled, you know, because it looked humorous. I, I knew what he was trying to do. Though. You know, if you're a preacher and you know people are about to go to hell, you will get pretty desperate to do whatever you can to keep them out of hell. And you ought to thank God that a preacher cares that much. You really should. But I can't open your heart's door. I can't make you accept Jesus. I can't make you repent. I can't make you let him in. Only you can do that. Only you can open the door. And so I, I encourage you this morning in closing, open the door of your heart. Because he stands patiently at your heart's door. In the painting of the Lord standing at the door knocking, the morning star is shining in the painting, which means He has stood there all night long knocking. Listen, He doesn't give up, brothers and sisters. He's still knocking. He's still calling. It's 2020 and the Holy Spirit still in this world to convict people of sin. And Jesus is still calling people. So open your heart's door. He stands patiently. He stands pleading. Five bleeding wounds he bears received on Calvary. They pour effectual prayers. They strongly plead for me. Jesus shed his precious blood. And his blood is pleading in your behalf today. Lee, can you come play patiently, tenderly pleading? Jesus is standing today. Don't turn him away. If you, if you know that, if you're not that one, you pick which, whichever one you want, but play something along that line. Open the door of your heart. Open the door of your home. Is there anyone here this morning that your home life is not one of happiness and joy? And it's darkness. And darkness is bothering you and your family and you're struggling and 
life is not happy and there's very little light, let me tell you what Jesus can do today. If you will open the door of your home, He will bring love and light and laughter into your home. He will do that for you this morning. If you'll open the door of your home. I'm going to close with this story. That's a perfect song. Perfect. There was an evangelist in West Virginia named C.C. Brown. I had the privilege of preaching to his daughter. I can't remember where, but I was holding a revival somewhere. She was there. C.C. Brown was really a regional evangelist. He, he didn't do a lot of traveling out of that area. He felt like God had really called him to coal miners. And so he preached to them every morning before they went to work. C.C. Brown would stand out in front of a coal mine and he'd preach. And one morning he preached. And when he got done preaching, he strongly sensed that God had spoken to some coal miners that day. And when he got done preaching, he said, is there anyone here that would like to give their heart to Jesus? Why don't you just step out and kneel here at the curb? And a coal miner stepped out and knelt at the curb. He said, we'll be number two. Another one stepped out. C.C. Brown kept counting until 16 miners were kneeling at the curb, praying. He started to close because he knew they had to go to work. But the Holy Spirit said, hold on for number 17. So he said, I called out number 17. Do you want to give your heart to Jesus? Nothing. Number 17, are you here? Do you want to give your heart to Jesus? And suddenly a young man stepped out of the crowd and knelt. He prayed with those miners. They got up, grabbed their lunch boxes, and went to the mine. C.C. Brown was walking to his house rejoicing that God had finally given him a break that morning. A few hours later, he heard the siren that there had been an accident at the coal mine. He went racing back down to the coal mine, and they were bringing miners up one by one. Some of them hurt very badly. He started racing around trying to see who was nearest to death that maybe he could pray with and help. And he found himself in front of this teenage boy. And he reached down to pray with him. And the boy was losing life quickly. And he grabbed C.C. Brown and pulled down to him. And he whispered these words. Tell my mother I was number 17. I don't know who's number one. I don't know who's number two here this morning. I don't know who's three or four or five. There may just be one. I don't know. But I wasn't going to preach this today. But Jesus wanted me to. And this morning, the Son of God is still standing at someone's heart's door. And He's still knocking. And I want you to stand with me.